Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali, clinical psychologist and certified sex therapist. Today, we're going to talk about how to experience multiple orgasms. I know that whenever I talk about novelty, taking things to the next level with your partner, many people have questions about multiple orgasms. That's why that we decided to talk about the world of orgasm. Sex, though, is an open communication between partners. We will be answering questions like, what is the difference between single orgasms and multiple orgasms? Should you tell your partner if you're faking an orgasm? Is there a correlation between psychological arousal and experiencing orgasms? How to introduce sex toys into the bedroom and how you can have open communication. And now our guest today is Sophie St. Thomas. Sophie is an award-winning journalist and author based in New York City. Her work focuses on sex, cannabis, glamour, and subculture. And she is resident astrologer and sex columnist for Allure Magazine and Askman. Sophie is also the author of five books with her sixth book, Devil's Work, a real-life thriller about the history of reproductive rights and witch hunts coming out in summer of 2024. But before we dive into the interview today, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, the Sexual Health Alliance. If you are interested in sex and psychology from a global perspective, this is your program. Sexual Health Alliance offers amazing study abroad programs in sexuality. Imagine exploring different cultures, engaging in immersive learning experiences, and collaborating with international experts in the field of sexuality, all while traveling to incredible places and having fun with students from all around the world. I actually had an amazing experience in their Berlin trip. They had a study abroad in Berlin. We went to the guided sex history tour of Berlin, which was fantastic. They had lots of networking opportunity. We went to the night scene club of the Berlin. We talked about the history of LGBTQ. It was like an amazing trip. As you guys know, I travel a lot, but it was one of the best trips I've taken. But I cannot believe also many colleagues were getting credit for their certification. We talked a lot about lots of sexual health material, but this was such a fun way of getting information, traveling and networking while you're completing your sex therapy certification. Their spot for 2024 are filling up quickly. So head to the sexualhealthalliance.com to secure your spot today. All right, without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Sophie St. Thomas. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Sophie St. Thomas on our show today. Sophie, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited about this conversation. I know whenever we're talking about orgasms, multiple orgasms, people are very curious about it. I know that many vulva owners, they never experienced orgasm in the past. I think it's an important conversation to have. So can you tell us a little bit about multiple orgasms? Well, it really depends on what you define as a multiple orgasm. You know, do you mean one that feels like it ripples and and lasts and is kind of a blending of several orgasms, but, you know, is also just one 
big orgasms or is it having multiple orgasms within a span of sex within a few hours? You know, it's, it's great to have orgasms, but I do want to say, I, I think there's just so much to sex. There's so much to sex. You know, there's so many different experiences and, and types of pleasure. Sometimes when you make orgasm the goal, I think it can make it harder to come. So I'm so excited to talk about all this, but I just want to, I guess, like preface it that it's also okay to relax and enjoy all the different sensations and feelings in between or leading up to orgasms or, you know, for a lot of different reasons, some women can't come at all and feeling bad or scared has never been conducive to one orgasms, let alone many. So I think the first step would, you know, just definitely be to relax about all of it. You're absolutely right. I know many people feel the pressure to, in a way, perform even like any mobile owner is doing sex and they feel the pressure of having this kind of amazing explosive orgasms. And that's why like when they're not experiencing it at times, they fake it and it creates pressure on them and the relationship. So I agree with you. People can have fantastic experiences if they can just focus on pleasure. Could be pleasure that not include any type of penetration. Non-goal oriented sex is also very, can be rewarding, exciting. It depends on what's the meaning of sex for people. Yeah, absolutely. At the risk of sounding binary, I, I do think straight men put a lot of emphasis on their orgasms and they can also do so to their partners. And that's not the case for everyone. I'm a queer woman who's had boyfriends and girlfriends and sex, you know, between two women, two Volvo owners, however they identify when you really realize how much there is to do. You know, you can play with someone nipples, you can give someone like massages, you know, there's like penetration with toys, but there's also oral sex, there's sweet nothings exchange. There's just I I do you didn't ask me this, but I do you think that sex is just so broad and so beautiful and that often straight men, I think because they are so obsessed with coming, kind of put a lot of pressure on and expectations onto others. And of course, that's where faking or orgasms comes in as as well. So yeah, no, orgasms are amazing. But I just think sex is also very like elaborate. And it's okay to lean into that. I know whatever thing people talk about, like anything like before intercourse they call it foreplay but I, I love that people kind of like sometimes try to shift that like everything is main event in a way right like this is not something we do to get to the main event so I love that you're talking about kind of like having this broader perspective on what sex means for you what pleasure looks like it what do you want to get out of sex that those are all important and valid so what are the Think that the times people talk about is experiencing pleasure or buildup of pleasure with different type of stimulation. What's your thoughts on that? Are there different types of orgasms? I know as a journalist, like you look into different contents. So tell us more about that. Well, there's certainly different kinds of stimulation. You know, you can have an orgasm from your partner using their hand on you, you know, or, or a partner's tongue. But in my experience, sometimes those can be like a little harder to achieve or maybe even like a little softer than like when you bring out your Hitachi wand, 
you know, like a really, really powerful vibrator. There's just limits to like the human body, honestly, in comparison to like really strong vibrators. And so if you wanted to actually talk about tips for how to multiple orgasms, I would definitely say vibrators. I think it's really fun if you can come this way to like come from, say, your partner going down on you. And then maybe the next round, you bring out a vibrator or something stronger and more powerful. And that can make it easier to have two orgasms within, you know, one sexual encounter would be to vary the way you have them and vary the stimulation and perhaps, you know, go from small, you know, build it up, if that makes sense. I agree with you. I think like, again, as you said, it depends on also the person's anatomy, their age, their all of those things. Because initially, when I was thinking about multiple orgasms, I was thinking about like popcorn style, like one after another. But as I walked through this kind of like profession, now I know could be so many different things with different strengths and different types of experiences. And I know some, some women's clit and the kind of mold, like it's very sensitive after one orgasm and they just don't want anyone to touch it anymore. And some people have a capacity to kind of like shift types of the touch. Yeah. And it's also, you know, very, you know, they say that the sex organ is the brain and, and that's so true, you know, state of mind and environment. Are plays such such a big role in it. Like, you know, to, to be blunt about it, you know, say you haven't had sex in like six months and then all of a sudden you decide to like let your guard down and have like wild, like super casual sex with like someone you meet at a bar. Like you could probably have an orgasm just from them like, you know, touching you before you even started have, having sex, right? And long-term relationships and marriage are great. I'm, I've been with my partner for four years, you know, and I love him and he like knows how to make me come. But, you know, having sex with like a long-term partner on like a Tuesday night, you know, because like you love each other and like you're trying on after dinner, just to be blunt about it, probably won't give that same level of like thrill as the first scenario, you know, obviously there's pros and cons to each, but or or say you're really, really kinky. And, you know, if you're incorporating like bondage into your sex or, you know, ropes or like handcuffs or like spanking, looks like maybe if you're kind of set up that way, you might have a stronger orgasm or more than one because you're so turned on by all the kink and addition to your partner. And, you know, maybe some people are the total opposite. Like they would never feel comfortable with sex with a stranger or someone that they just met that day, or they would like never want bondage like in their sex. And they are only going to have their like strongest and best orgasms from a really safe like relationship. It's just everyone's programmed differently. But, you know, outside of like physical stimulation, what is thing, what's going on in our head plays a big role in whether we're going to have multiple ones or not. Well, I also wonder, it's like an, at the cost of possibly being binary is that like sometimes like for, at least I can talk about myself and many of my female clients, like sister and their female clients, that the psychological arousal makes a huge difference, right? So it's not a, like when I think about the orgasms I experienced, the most intense one and the, the kind of like everyday one, the difference was more about yeah. the psychological context versus the type of stimulation. And I know that sometimes like for many women, the context, the kind of psychological arousal is that's what's missing to build things up for them to be able to experience like a more of buildup of climaxing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. Well, I love that you were talking about the longer term encounter with partner, like Tuesday nights sex versus like a hot, like random stranger and how the second one can be stronger as far as like the spark, initial spark. What do you recommend for couples in long term relationships? What have you explored like with yourself, with like with friends that helped with kind of intensifying things in a more of a long term relationship? 100% trying new things. You know, it's kind of a cliche to say, oh, you know, variety is essential to sex or, you know, kind of like there's the old fashioned thought just like, oh, men need sexual variety. And as a result, they're probably going to cheat on you, you know, or like leave you for someone. It is true that variety is important to people in my experience. And I believe the general consensus is, you know, definitely straight men for sure. But where people start to get that wrong is that that does not mean that someone has to like leave a relationship or cheat. That just means that you should try different things. You know, you can watch porn together. You can try something kinky. If some couples are comfortable with this, you can talk about going on a date with a third person or having a threesome or or swinging, or you can even just to start to dirty talk about that stuff and take it in, in baby steps. But you, you just have to like keep exploring. Also, the idea of like scheduled sex sounds, I feel like when you say it at first, it just sounds like really horrible. It has kind of like a knee-jerk reaction. But I think it's really okay to make a, an effort to keep having sex with your spouse. Because if you live with someone and get really comfortable, I think it is easy to fall just into like the habit of being more roommates. And, you know, and I, I don't have children. I can't even imagine what's that, what that is like for mothers and parents who also have, you know, to look after children. It's just easy to let it get away from you. So I, I think diligently kind of like staying on top of it, you know, as long as like you want to, of course, is actually really, really helpful as well, you know, like put effort into your sex life because it, it definitely can deteriorate. And it's just like you would put effort into your emotional connection and, and your friendships. It's just about, you know, nurturing a relationship, in this case, a sexual relationship. So, you know, I would say that that like, you know, making sure that you don't like get lazy about it if you are still like really turned on into your partner and I'm um, trying new things, whatever that means for you is the answer. That. But one thing that also comes to my mind throughout the years that I practice, I had a handful of clients that like it was a significant portion of cisgender female clients that they faked orgasms all throughout the relationships. And that's like for decades or for several years. And there's a dilemma. Should I tell my partner? Should I not tell my partner? So tell me what's your thoughts on that? Don't tell your partner. Don't tell your partner. <laughs> Why not? This might, might be... Because, I mean, you should make sure that you find a way to actually have orgasms because you deserve to have orgasms. But because women are at such a disadvantage in this world and because we've been pressured and conditioned our entire life to basically be compliant with men and it's just such a common thing like to get nervous and to do. And I, I don't think it's that bad. And I just know how, how common it is. And I have a lot of empathy for like women who do it because we're under so much sexual pressure and like so much sexual, like just expectations to have these orgasms and to be a certain way and that and men didn't have that. And the patriarchy is still in charge and men still make more money than us. 
And so if you felt the need at some point in your life to fake an orgasm, like just like let it go, girl, like it's okay. You know, tough to find ways to make sure that you're actually having them. But I, 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 I don't think. And, and I'm sure a ton of people are super with me on this, but I don't think it needs a whole intervention. Um, I think that there often are like power dynamics to consider and that you're, you're like going through enough, bro. Like you don't need to beat yourself up over that too. <laughs> like it's such a cliche, but you know, like, but like men say cool relationships. Like men have probably lied to you like so many times, you know, be- about others. Like, and you think they, they're not sitting around or like, like no offense, way empire has been like, Oh my God, I feel so guilty. Like, no, they're like out there making money and like enjoying attention and flirt. Like, no, just, just be nice to yourselves. Like take a hot bath, like have a glass of wine, put it behind you and like go, you know, communicate with your partner about a way so you can have orgasms. Cause like, like I said, I believe you deserve to have them, but I don't believe you deserve a guilt trip if you faked an orgasm. Just like, I don't know. It's not like you like cheated without a condom. Like your partner is like fine. You don't, but he would freak out and you know, he would, he would, it would just what it's not no like no he he doesn't understand there i write a lot about witchcraft which sounds really scary but a lot of it is just the history of women you know and i use like the idea of the witch to like look at how women have been treated throughout the ages because you know witch isn't real like at least as they make it out to be it's like a word and often like a political word and for so long, women have been able to have secrets, like women's secrets, like women have been at a disadvantage. Like the word gossip hundreds and hundreds of years ago was a good thing. It was a way of like letting someone know like something was going on, like to kind of circumvent the power. And actually that word has been changed throughout the ages to mean something bad. I just mean it is okay for women to have their secrets. Men don't have to know everything. They can't understand everything. And, and I'll end my rant on that. <laughs> Well, Sophie, I'm, I'm curious about the secret part, right? So I, I wonder about, so first of all, going back to the orgasm part, I, I'm feeling conflicted because I, I feel like maybe if you fake the orgasm a few times, maybe with people like random people, I don't need to go back to the guy that I had sex in college <laughs> telling him that I was faking it. But I'm thinking if, if I'm in a long-term relationship and the person thinks like they're doing a fabulous job, and that's just definitely not doing it for me. I think maybe talking about that part can be helpful. Oh, you definitely should. No, you, you should. Like, you should always talk about it. You should tell them, hey, it actually feels better. Hey, it feels good when you look like my life like this. Oh, it feels good when we use this toy in bed. Like, oh, I, I, I need penetration. You know, oh, actually, I don't need penetration. You're like, oh... I do it a little bit harder. I, like I said, I 100%, 100% think you should communicate. And I communicate with my partner so he knows exactly like what I need to make me come and we're all on the same page. But I, I just don't, I think you can do that without being like, Oh, and by the way, like, like those, like, like I faked an orgasm, like at this point, I just, like I said, that might be controversial, but I think you should can, can have. Sex is, it's just that sex is so like delicate in general that sometimes positive feedback is the best way to communicate instead of like making someone feel bad about what they did wrong, like telling, just being really direct with what feels good for you. Like, you know, even integrating it into dirty talk. So that's what I think. But it's fine if people disagree. 
Well, it's a very interesting perspective. I'm curious. So like on the writing that you have, like you're talking about some secrets that's good and some secrets that are not useful. So tell us more about that. I'm curious about that. It's just, well, it changes throughout the ages, of course. A woman, a woman's secret in like the 1950s, America might be like, a housewife who takes birth control because she has like a Catholic husband and she's already had five children and doesn't want to have any more. But she knows that her Catholic husband, it's the 1950s, would be really mad if he found out that she was on birth control. So like women, you know, I once my grandmother told me a story about how her and her girlfriends like got in the car together and like drove to the nearest city and like got birth control, you know, and like they didn't tell their husbands instances like 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 that that you know you know and that's an example again me saying don't be guilty if you say to few orgasm in your life is not me saying you should not have a partner who makes you come like for real and knows how to do it i'm just saying if you've if you've done it sometimes in the past just i don't think you should feel guilty but it but the one theme that is the same for the the two examples is just like the reason i don't necessarily think a woman should sess up she's in like a housewife in the 1950s and tell her her husband, she's on birth control. Like there's just some things he doesn't understand, you know, like he, he, he doesn't understand that, that what it's like to physically like carry the child and then give birth to it. Like he doesn't under, like men can be so pigheaded when it comes to politics. Like it, it, I, that's like, that's a like example, like that I've written about of like a woman's secret that I think would be okay. They change based on like the culture of climate. And thankfully, like women are, do have a lot more rights. Like now we can, you know, be vocal about whether we want to have children or not and birth control or, or, you know, and how we can come and how we can't come. But just throughout the ages, it's just women have just been at such a disadvantage that it's been advantageous to have things that you only talk to your girlfriends about. You're right. The context matters. The kind of like the situation matters a lot. And I, I, I like that you're saying that it's not a blank statement that honesty is always the best policy, right? So it just it depends on the dynamics, the kind of hierarchy, the kind of like political environment and everything that's entail with that. But if someone, I love that you talked about, so you want to communicate, like in modern time, you want to communicate with your partner about what works, what doesn't work. If you are, like I t- often tell people that if you haven't had an orgasm, easiest way, no pressure is for you to explore your own body. That's what I tell people. They're going to explore and see kind of yeah. like what different sensation feels in your body. And I often tell people that the next easy step would be incorporating toys if you want to because of the power and because of like the different types of the stimulation you can experience. What would be some of the beginner toys that you think might be someone if they haven't had experience with orgasm or touches that you think that would be interesting for them? Just a small vibrator. You know, I I don't have like, or I could send you later, like a list of some of my favorite favorites. I probably won't like remember them perfectly. Some sex toy companies I like are like Lilo, L-E-L-O, Jimmy Jane, Unbound. My friend owns Unbound and they have this one vibrator that's called the squish and it just looks like a lemon and you squeeze it and it vibrates some so just something like that like something small and like handheld like i would say probably ideally like waterproof because some people really enjoy masturbating like while you take a bath but something that's like literally like not a big deal you know that's just easy to store easy to clean easy to use 
easy to travel with. You know, that's always nice if um, you want to bring your vibe, but you're just like a small little compact. Yeah. So something something like the shape of a lemon <laughs> that I think is, is nice to start with. Sometimes I tell people that maybe that could be something that you can, when you learn how to experience orgasm, that could be something like that you can bring to like during partner sex. Like, you know, I know they have the smaller ones that you can kind of like incorporate during the sexual play with the partners if if your partner is open. I often tell people like if you haven't. Yeah, which they definitely should be. But I think like it's a conversation is also important in that, right? Like versus like you never use the sex toy with your partner, like bringing something huge maybe kind of like requires something that, that you can That is a talk. way to get people not to, to never fake an orgasm. It's just to bring, <laughs> bring in sex toys. Because it's true, if ever I, it's like, I don't like, if I, I don't think part fake orgasms is my current partner. Like if I, but sometimes I'm just like, no, I'm like, I like won't be able to come from me going down on me. Like I'm like tired, like I'm just, and so I'll either like just say so from the beginning, like let's just like fool around and like, I want to like, I love you and I want to like see, experience you. But, like I don't think I'm, I either like say it from the get-go or it's like, we're bringing in the Hitachi. It's like, just like get the Hitachi. Because it's they are powerful, I would say that's why I wouldn't recommend like starting out with something like the Hitachi wands. They are really powerful. You like probably shouldn't be using that every night, just because you know if you enjoy getting off in softer ways, it it it, it, it can become a little trickier if you're old. It, it's if you use a Hitachi like every few days, you're not gonna burn yourself out or anything. But just you know, it's important to switch it up. I love all of these different topics that you bring up. No, we're talking about bringing the sex toy in the bedroom with the partner. You said like talked about having a smaller one and then maybe graduating to bigger one. And I get what you're talking about with overall, I tell people you want to kind of experiment with different tiny puff sensation because the habituation, you don't want your body to need certain kind of sensation every time. I don't think people get hooked or addicted to their vibe right there. But I think it's helpful to kind of like teach your body, tune your body to different types of simulation. Yeah, definitely. That ties back to what we were talking about variety and I agree with. Well, is it something that people can learn, like multiple orgasms, orgasm? Do you feel, is it a learned skill or based on kind of like readings that you've done, it's more of an innate thing for people? I, I I don't know the details of this. You know, everyone's just so different in terms of their body and how they can work. As you know, it depends like if the length between like your foot and your vaginal opening, like depend on how easy it is for your penetration. If you take like medication, like so many of us do, whether it's like for depression or like sleep or, you know, just anxiety or just so many things like that can like affect your orgasm. So there's a lot of just like physical and biological factors. But I also think it's both. I think some women, some women just, I've dated a lot of and slept with a lot of women. Some women can just come quicker than others. The same is like true for men. But also I think when it comes to like training yourself, just, you know, the more you get to know your body, the easier it is it's going to come. You know, say the more comfortable you are telling your partner about what makes you come, the easier it's going to get. So it's, it's, it's both of those and, and more. You know, what I was thinking about, I know there's this popular study you have probably know, like it's very well known that like people who have sex with women who have sex with women, like vulva owners are more likely to experience an orgasm versus women who are having sex with men, like cisgender men. And there's a part of me, I know it can be a personal experience of like sometimes you're not in the right mindset, like maybe you're stressed, maybe you haven't slept, maybe you're just like not in the mood. 
or it could be like side effect of medication. I know like with antidepressant, as you said, it's common for many people to need more of stimulation or might not have the desire. But sometimes also it comes from lack of effort. I think sometimes people with partners, they don't, they're not generous in the bedroom or they don't know what type of touch the partner need. What are some of the tips you have for the communication for, for people? Yeah, and the kid is harder with men. Even if the man is like super generous, it's just a lot of men can just, you know, have penetrative sex and that's it and they'll come right away and they'll be fine. And so they kind of just like assume that we're the same way. And so I think that's why there is like more pressure to like fake an orgasm with someone who has a penis because you're like expected to come like he does. But if your partner also has a vagina, then you don't know what you don't have to worry about people taking orgasms. I mean, that's not a blanket statement, but like you both understand just a little, you know, bit more because you just have the same body. In. And I guess that is like an advantage of dating your same gender. But, you know, and like you mentioned foreplay, it, it's like interesting when, when you're queer because you're like, okay, if me and my girlfriend went down on each other, people would definitely say that we have sex. But, you know, and people make you like count how many partners you've had with men. Like so many people don't include blowjobs. Like if the assumption is that like oral sex is like the foreplay with a straight guy, but like that can be like the main course, like many steps in with a female partner. And it, it's very, yeah, you, you have to train straight men sometimes to broaden their idea of, of what sex is to be, you know, kind of no matter how good they are. But if a people they are sometimes, they like try, but it's just, they're just, I don't know. I don't want to sound like old fashioned, but I just really feel like they're programmed differently sometimes. Well, I agree with you. I think even if you're wonderful lover. I think it's like every relationship, everyone's body is different, every age is different. So I think it's important to have like open communication and kind of don't like at times take it personally because I'm sure that like uh, I I teach this thing, but I, I know for one partner, I might not be a great lover or I would need lots of instruction. I think it goes for everyone. So about orgasms, everything that you think would be important for our listeners to know that we haven't talked about. I would just say again, you know, like relax about it and don't put too much pressure on yourself because that will just make it harder to come anyways. That is such a good advice. Well, I know that many of our listeners are curious about your writing. I know you're a journalist. You got multiple awards, the book. Tell us more about where can people get a hold of you? You can follow me at the Bowie Cat. That's Bowie like David Bowie, the Bowie Cat. But I have my sixth book coming out next summer and it's about reproductive rights. And I'm really excited because I was working on that even before Roe was overturned. And it's also about political witch hunts and like the concept of the witch. And there's a lot about women's secrets in that book, if that was of interest to, to any readers. And let's see. And speaking of witchy things, I am... Allure Magazine's resident astrologer. So if you ever want to read your horoscopes, go there. I have a sex column with Ask Men and I, I do a lot. So you two just follow me on social media. It'll make me look good to my editors and, and keep up with all of it. Amazing. Amazing. We'll make sure we leave a link to that information. Thank you so much for coming on this show, Sophie, and sharing all of these great information with us. And hopefully we can have you back when you are touring your book. Of course, that'd be wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today on this, another episode of Sexology Podcast. 
Before we say goodbye, I wanted to share a bit about my recent speaking engagement in Denver. So I attended podcast movement and I was part of the panel that we talk about unveiling the forbidden, diverse and daring dialogue at seductive topic, which was fantastic. But one of my favorite parts whenever I'm doing a speaking engagement is getting to know my audience. And many of you guys showed up for the session, which was really, really fun to chat with you. And it was incredible to hear people's experiences. That's why I'm interested to have a series. I'm thinking about doing multiple episodes on people's experiences. So if you have fun sexual journey, if there are things about your sex life that you have a question or you want to come on the show and have a share with the world your interesting sexual experiences, if you've been on the journey, please go to the link in the show notes and leave us a, either your question if you have a question or if you want to come on the show, give us a pitch. So we're looking for people who are talking about their life experiences. And I met so many wonderful people and I, they told the most amazing stories. That's why I want to do a few, few sessions on those and have those share those conversations with you guys. Now, I can sign off without sharing a little bit about amazing time with Sexual Health Alliance I had in Berlin. I know I talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but genuinely it was really, really fun. I ended up hanging out with the same cohort when I went to ASAC conference. Aside from the enlightening guided tours and discussion, we also had a blast doing a bicycle tour, having lunch in small groups and engaging in a small, intimate classroom, talking with colleagues from all around the world. And the energy of students was so lively. And I'm still in contact, as I said, with many of them. And it was truly a transformative experience, both personally and professionally. So if you are interested in getting continuing education or you want to become a sex therapist to get certification, Sexual Health Alliance would be a fantastic match. You have to head over to sexualhealthalliance.com to secure your spot today. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep the conversation going. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.